You are listening to the Ultimate Intimacy Podcast, where we discuss how to find ultimate intimacy in your relationship. We believe that no matter how many years you've been married, you can achieve passion, romance, happiness, and ultimate intimacy at any stage of your life. Join us as we talk to not only marriage experts, but couples just like yourself and people who are just flat out fun. The Ultimate Intimacy Podcast is for couples who have a good relationship but want to make it even better. Hi, so welcome to the Ultimate Intimacy Podcast. This is episode 7. And just a reminder, this is for married couples only, um, ages 18 and older, obviously. And today we would like to welcome uh, some very special guests that we are very, very excited to have. Um, We have Aaron and Jocelyn Freeman, and they are the authors of an incredible new book that Amy and I have spent a bunch of time (laughs) going through and reading called The Argument Hangover. And so, yeah, we are really excited to have you guys and really appreciate you being here with us today. So... We're excited for the conversation. Thanks for having us. Yes, absolutely. Your book is incredible. Every couple should have it. Every couple should read it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) We really intended to make it the most relatable book on communication conflict. It's great. So much good stuff in it. We can't wait to talk about it today. Yeah, and one of the great things too, I think, is you know sometimes we think, oh, if we're reading a book on on marriage or dealing with relationship problems or things like that, we always kind of look at it from a standpoint, I mean, I think people in general look at it from a standpoint and say, oh, well, I don't need that. There's nothing wrong with my marriage. But your book is, is incredible. I mean, it's, it's for really for people as well that have great relationships and how to make them even better, which is one of the things we really love. And, and I just wanted to say, like, I, I, I think we've gotten better at fighting and arguing stuff better in our marriage. But after reading that book, I was like, wow, I wish I would have had this on year one, two, three, it just would have saved a lot of those conflicts where, I don't know, we weren't speaking for a couple days. Or, you, know what, you know what I mean? I think like, things that many couples go through. Yeah. So anyways, let's just jump into it. We have some questions for you guys. Can't wait to hear all about your book. We just want to promote this to all of our app users because it's amazing. So I guess our first question is, why did you name it the argument hangover? What is an argument hangover? Will you explain that to everyone? Yes, great question. And when you read that first chapter, right, we talk about a food or alcohol hangover, which most people can relate to, either one of those. So in short, there is some decision that you made that seemed good in the moment, and then later on you regretted it and you had low energy, you felt guilty, you felt shame, clear in alcohol or food. When you think about a relationship, there are things around having a disagreement with your partner you then which we could go into get triggered which a whole is a whole other chapter but you then say and do things that seem good in the moment that cause you to have a hangover meaning there's a period of time now after a conflict that you feel disconnected you feel angry then you feel maybe embarrassed you wish you did not say some of the things that you did and ultimately this does more damage to the relationship for the things that you said and the things that you did. So that's the argument hangover, that period of time. And so we're really out to not have couples shoot for avoiding conflicts 
because those are going to come up. Yep. That's mm-hmm. not a great first intention to not have conflicts, but you could set out to shorten your argument hangover, shorten that time period that you are disconnected, reconnect faster, right, Jocelyn? Oh, yeah. And do not have them escalate to the point of doing more damage than the initial cause. And that is the premise Mm -hmm. of the argument hangover. (laughs) I love it. I've never really thought of that before I started reading it. I'm like, that just totally makes sense. Yeah. And like with arguments, like there's always those things that you say and you're like, oh, I I shouldn't. can't ever take it back. You can't take it back. So, and what we found in our years of like coaching couples is, you know, they did either fear or resist conflict. There's this kind of connotation in society of, you know, keep it hush hush if you're having arguments. And so everyone thinks something's wrong if they're having arguments. Part of this was also to demystify, no, if you can learn to have healthy conflict, it can actually bring you closer. It can actually have you be more bonded if you're fighting smarter, as we like to call it. And the reason that we wrote it about the argument hangover is because the longer that you let the argument hangover last, it deteriorates trust. It deteriorates connection because it almost feels like, well, are you going to repair this with me? Or are you just going to wait a couple days, then say, I'm sorry, and then think that that's enough to move on? And yeah. we could talk a lot about how I'm sorry isn't enough as well in the repair process. Well, I think, too, the damage that gets caused the longer you go, you know, without repairing it. I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. I could speak for me personally. You know, when I'm going days and days, I almost get more resentment and, mm-hmm. you know, things mm-hmm. start getting a little bit uglier. And so, you know, I loved how you talked in the book as well about really uh, trying to repair things or, or have that connection again mm-hmm. um, as quickly as possible after after having that conflict or that argument. Mm-hmm. So let's well, start sorry. from like the beginning, um, just at the basis, like we go into those beliefs, like you talk about, um, that are outdated, that conflict can be bad. How can uh, conflict and arguing be a positive thing in our relationships? This is such a great question. And it really takes switching the mentality around this because Nick, you were even saying before we get on here, you can watch a movie, maybe your own parents, maybe you've seen parents of friends who were growing up and they they get in a conflict. So then there's that heated emotion. That in itself seems like that's a bad thing. But here is the line of delineation. If you can get yourself in a place where you don't go against each other, but you stay on the same side looking at the challenge, that that's the huge gift, mm-hmm. right? If you have a conflict, if you have a difference of opinion, right, that, that's really the first thing to get. There's a difference of opinion. But if you now take actions to where now it's like a boxing match, you're faced off against each other, you're in unhealthy conflict. But the same challenge can come up. And if you are on the same side, looking at the challenge, looking at the challenge of whatever it is, how do we get more on the same page with parenting? Maybe yeah. how do we increase the amount of money we have, the freedom, how do we get more connected? Now you're looking at a question, how do we get more connected? And you're looking at that challenge together. Now you're in healthy conflict. I love it's really about, are you on the same side or are you against each other? And I love what you said, like a boxing match. In a boxing match, there's gonna be a winner and a loser, right? Exactly. And and what you're saying is in this, in resolving conflict, there doesn't need, you both need to be a winner. 
And so figuring out how to do that together, uh, you're on the same team, so to speak. You know, you're not competing against each other. You're on the same team. And how do you how do you work together to resolve that? You know, kind of hint on that, too. I think, you know, I've, I've kind of always come or looked at it, I guess, in the past a little bit is, oh, if people are having arguments um, that that means maybe their marriage isn't as good. But I love what you're saying, which is completely true, is it is very healthy to have arguments to understand why you were disagreeing on certain things and then say, OK, why are we disagreeing on certain things and how do we move forward in the right direction? And you know, I think you, you think you guys are spot on with that. Mm-hmm. So we've tried to we've tried to start implementing that a lot more, you know, in our relationship, saying, OK, here's the problem instead of, mm-hmm. you know, dividing that in between us here's the problem how do you and i work together to resolve that problem or or that conflict for sure that's fantastic and i think you know maybe you also speak to if you were to go about life and everything was going fine and it was easy would you really grow right i mean in business they talk so much about it's outside of your comfort zone where the real growth is. Yeah. Well, if I'm only sharing with Jocelyn the things that are positive, then similar to, let's say, being on a sports team. When you're on a team and you face a challenge and you get through it, you feel more connected. It's the same in the military. People that go into the military together, they go through challenges, but when they can see that they can rely and trust on another person, they work on their communication, and now they they build this bond that lasts forever, it really should be the same in the relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you miss out on a, on a total deepening of the level of your connection if you avoid challenges altogether. So you have to, you want to get in there because that's what deepens your connection. You talk about ultimate intimacy. Mm-hmm. There is some ultimate imp- intimacy there when you allow yourself to be vulnerable enough with your partner, wow, that creates some real intimacy. Let's see. I like this quote that you shared in your book that states, we cannot solve our problems at the same level of thinking that we created created them in. It is conflict that brings about opportunity to change and upgrade your level of thinking. Mm-hmm. I love oh, yeah. that. Well, what I really discovered from, I mean, Aaron's really taught me this and he really wrote this section is we can focus as a couple on seeing the conflict as bad. Here's what I don't like. Uh, here's what the conflict is showing us what we don't want. But to your point with that quote, it's about thinking, what is this conflict showing us that we do want? Mm-hmm. Like even think about that. If you're disagreeing about intimacy because you're not getting enough quality time you can either focus on we're not getting enough quality time or you can focus on wow this argument shows us we want more quality time yeah so it's raising your thinking to what you do want that's good yeah i love that yeah um you talk about in your book about emotional triggers do you want to take a couple Mm -hmm. minutes and talk about those kind of triggers i I guess i just have never really thought about that and how that Mm -hmm. Um, makes such an impact in your arguing. 
Well, everyone listening, have you ever been triggered before? Has, has your partner <laughs> yes, ever poked, <laughs> poked the sensitive spot? You don't quite know, you know, oh man, where that came out of nowhere, right? So we like to call an emotional trigger, like your partner is poking a sensitive spot in you. And triggers can either come from something getting formed in your current relationship, like maybe a pain or something that didn't get resolved or something in your past, your upbringing within your formative years. I had triggers around my first few relationships and different things that happened in those relationships created these, you know, sensitive spots in me. And so in a marriage, especially if you've had past relationships, you can trigger each other sometimes. And that isn't necessarily the bad thing that you have triggers. It's how you act when you're triggered, Mm, right? Mm. That's the most damage that gets caused. It's when you aren't aware that it's a trigger, but then you start to yell or name call or storm out of the room or slam doors or bring up the past. You know, you've got, everyone has their own flavor as we like to call it for how you act when you're triggered. And so in the book, we go into the three parts of a trigger. There is the triggering event, there's the triggered emotion. So what does that elicit in you? And then there's your triggered behavior. And you will have so much more power to not have arguments get so escalated if you're aware of what triggers you and your mm-hmm. default patterns when you get triggered. And we each have mm-hmm. worked through several of our own triggers. Mm-hmm. I love I love what you said there too. And I think that kind of sets the base for what you also talk about, which is setting setting kind of the groundwork for fighting fairly. Um, when we, when we kind of read that part, we said, you know, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. Um, you know, really kind of set, set the rules or, or what have you for how are we going to argue or how are we going to have this conflict? And, you know, whether it's, you know, letting that, letting your spouse talk and not saying anything and just being in a listening mode. Cause I think one of the things is so easy to do is once one person starts talking to defend ourselves or to shift blame or, you know, this is why I did this or what have you, but really just sitting back and listening. Um, but again, just kind of setting the groundwork uh, to, on how to fight fairly. You guys want to share more thoughts on that? Absolutely. And when we start with the premise of, okay, you're not here to avoid conflicts. And it's also that you aren't trying to just you get rid of all of your triggers Cause that's just, it's just like too hard of a goal. <laughs> yeah. Know, really. So if then the goal is to shorten the argument hangover period and keep things from escalating, then it's typically when you have a disagreement, it's something right in that moment that gets triggered. And it's those triggers to the behaviors that do the damage. Right? So when we thought that's really a key part to keep things from escalating. So, You listening, if you have a, what we call before conflict strategy of coming together and making agreements for times of conflict, it's a powerful way for you to keep things from escalating in those moments. Now, how we get to that and how you can best utilize that is look for yourself. What do I usually get triggered by? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it might be your partner. So I might say to Jocelyn, and we, our agreements are like no swearing, no raising your voice and no leaving the room, no turning your back and just leaving. So I'm not blaming Jocelyn, but I'm saying, hey, I realized that, let's say when you swear, when you were angry, that triggers me. No, I'm not. Mm -hmm. You need to stop doing that. I'm saying, hey, I noticed that that's a trigger for me. So 
with the intent of having our conflicts be more collaborative, I'd like to make the agreement that we don't swear when conflicts come up, right? So you're creating these agreements. Now, key thing here, I could try to do the same thing when the conflict happens and say to Jocelyn, hey, we're not going to swear. <laughs> but how is that going to feel to her? Don't control me right now. Yeah. Don't tell yeah. me what to do. <laughs> but when before this happens, you can create an agreement and you know the purpose of it is to keep you on the same page. Now I can remind her and say, hey, you know, our agreement is no swearing. Now she knows we both gave permission for that. And it doesn't then trigger in the moment. Oh, yeah, that's right. Thanks for the reminder. And then that's how you kind of keep it from escalating. Love wow. it. Yeah. And there's so, probably so many different things that you can do to, you know, come to agreement on to, yeah. to really make your make your disagreements or your arguments so much better, you know, like you were saying, and not, not hitting those triggers or, or causing things to really escalate. Because how many problems, you know, start out as something pretty ridiculous and then just blow <laughs> up into, you know, something to where afterwards you're like, man, what did I do? Or why, why in the world did we spend a lot of energy and time and hard feelings over something so stupid, you know? Yeah, yeah. And how many of us at some point have thought to ourselves, what are we even arguing about? Yeah. <laughs> it's so heated. It's so I true. literally don't even know what started this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so true. Um, you talk about um, setting ground rules um, when you get married for arguing. Cause you talked about like, we set all these like goals and stuff when we get married, like, what are you going to do here in this situation? What are you going to do in this situation? Well, what are you going to do when you argue? Like, that's definitely a question that most people don't think about until they get in, you know, to their first few arguments. We never, I, I mean, I never thought about yeah, setting ground rules for argument. We're like, oh, we're never going to argue when we're dating. You're like, yeah. oh, we're never going to argue. Yeah, funny. <laughs> what do we need that for? And then you do. But I liked how you talked about, like, body language, emotions, um, taking a time out if you needed. And just, like, you talked a lot about just how to listen to each other better. Do you want to expand on any of that? I mean, there's so much, and Erin shared quite a few of the agreements that we have. We recommend couples start with four because you can't agree to like 10 different things and really keep to it. People don't usually tend to remember that. So we would start with creating the four agreements, four times of conflict of the things that are like a no-go. You know, neither of you are willing to do those things. You don't want the yelling, the name-calling, bringing up the past, leaving the room. I do want to distinguish the difference between a timeout and walking out. So some people yeah. go, well, if I need to take a break, can I just be like, I'm, I got to go. I got to leave the room. The thing is walking out feels like abandonment to the other person. And it feels as though you're escaping or avoiding the mm-hmm. situation. And oftentimes there isn't, you know, a designated time when you'll come back. And so that walkout can mm-hmm. turn into two days of silent treatment. The difference is instead a timeout is when you intentionally say, hey, I'm starting to feel like I'm not being constructive here. I want to calm down so I can be level headed and have this conversation go well. I want to go take a 10 minute break. I'm going to go for a quick walk. I'll be back and then we can talk again. So a timeout, you have the intention of coming back to the conversation. You aren't avoiding, you aren't escaping, and you also aren't leaving the person wondering when you'll be back. Yeah. So I really think it's important that people understand, yes, it's okay to take a timeout, but make sure it's a designated, intentional timeout, not walking out on your partner. 
That's so good advice. Yeah, yeah great info for sure. Such good advice. Um, you stated in the book, um, love is listening. And I really loved that because I feel like, I don't know, I got the lucky end of the deal because when we argued, Nick, like I can tell he's really listening to me and is really trying to understand like what I'm saying. So, I, and, I, and I do, I feel that, that love when we're arguing that you actually like care that I'm trying to, you know, to yeah. talk about whatever the situation is, but... Yeah, I think when it's, uh, you know, again, not getting defensive and trying to win a conversation or prove a point or anything, but just listening. I mean, I, you know, that's, that's how things get resolved, I think, yeah. is, you know, listening. Um, and oh, and most people, when they think of listening, they are really thinking of hearing. Mm. So that was one thing that we made a distinction of in the book, too. There's well, there's not listening at all, right? And that's like where you're totally distracted. You're on your phone. Your partner's trying to say something to you, and you're like, yeah, yeah. And if someone actually asks you, like, hey, what did your partner just say? You have no idea. Yeah. So there's there's just not listening, not even hearing. But then there is hearing, and that's when, you know, you're, especially when your partner has emotion or it sounds like they're maybe pointing the finger or, or you had some action that impacted them, then – you might be hearing being like an auditory absorption of the inner ear, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you're really listening to your own thoughts in your own head about what am I going to say? What evidence do I have that this isn't true? What justification is there? Mm. How do I deflect this? Right. There's really, you're really listening to a whole bunch of stories in your own head where listening now is where you're actually not only hearing what they're saying, but you're feeling with them what they're feeling and you can actually articulate hey what it what i'm hearing you say is you really feel that i didn't respect you so listening makes it much more about the other partner and them feeling understood that their emotion is empathized with that's the key word the Mm -hmm. difference between hearing and listening is when you're truly listening you can empathize with your partner yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's so true so how, so one of the things that interests me too is getting back to this, you know, the old saying, happy wife, happy life. Why, you know, in your book, you talk about why these things are not necessarily true. And honestly, like, you know, I've always kind of joked around and had that, you know, saying as well. It's like, oh, as long as she's happy, I'm happy. But why, after, after reading, uh, you know, why that is not always the case or why that's not true, I mean, I, I thought it was in, incredible as to, you know, your, your reasoning behind that. Can you share a little bit more about, you know, why maybe some of these things that we've grown up always hearing or, or understanding to be, why maybe that's, you know, different than what it should be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of sayings that came from quite a few years ago, to be frank, and marriage looked different then, right? It was society functioned differently. And today, people in relationships want an expressive partnership. They want intimacy. They want vulnerability. They don't want just a functional relationship where there's really stuff happening beneath the surface that's not being addressed. And so the whole happy wife, happy life belief only creates suppression. It only Mm -hmm. creates brushing things under the rug. And here's the thing, because this is often like, oh, women just want to be told, yeah, yeah, whatever you want. No, not really. The majority of the clients that we've ever worked with, they want to hear their partner. They want to know. They don't want just a yes, ma'am, whatever you want. They want to know, what do you feel? What do you think? Sure, on your birthday, yeah, you want it to go your way. But the majority of the time, you want a partner. You don't want a 
partner who is just trying to make you happy, but then silently resentful, yes. which is what can happen sometimes is that connotation of men just need to make her happy. Well, then they start to silently feel their needs aren't met. And that's when you get blindsided sometimes, you know, there are people that were suppressing for years that they didn't feel happy because they weren't heard and met, uh, their needs weren't met. And so they blindside their partner going, I'm not happy in this relationship anymore. I want to add one thing to what you're saying too. Mm -hmm. No, a profound experience of life, which is what we are all striving for, comes from involvement, or you could say participation. Now, this is really important. We don't probably have enough time to go into the four communication personality types, but as a reserved partner, which which I fall into, it would be easy to fall into this happy wife, happy life, meaning, yes, whatever you want. Now, feel that energy. If I kept on saying to Jocelyn, yeah, like wherever you want to eat, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to move to, am I actively participating in the relationship? No, it's putting me in a Mm -hmm. passive like backseat experience where I'm not even fully engaged. So if that's true, which I believe it is, participation and involvement leads to profound experience, then that whole mentality only puts you into disengaging, not participating and being passive, which is not what any partner wants from their other partner. Exactly. So you, are, true. you are totally spot on. One of the things, you know, Amy and I had uh, we're in bed last night and had a long discussion uh, discussing a lot of things about your book. And um, from my point of view, I feel like your book is kind of a almost a revolutionary way to look at things. It's a lot different in, in some ways as to, like you said, what's out back in the past or what we've typically thought. But I, I mean, I, the things in your book profoundly affected me or just my thoughts mm-hmm. um, probably more so than almost any other book I've read. And wow. so just, you know, anyone out there, I agree with that. if you really want something that's really going to help your relationship and take it to the next level, I mean, this is a must read. This is a book you've got to have. And it's, and it's very simple. And, and the, the reasoning behind what, they're saying and why they're saying it is so simple and uh, to understand. I love that about your book as well, too, is just everything is laid out there so simple rather than getting so deep. I'm trying to interpret, you know, what mm-hmm. in the world this is supposed <laughs> to mean or that's supposed to mean. You just you present everything in such a way that's just so easy to understand. Well, and so. after 19 years and we've had our share of arguments or disagreements and stuff like after reading that, it's like, oh, that's why that went that way, exactly. or that's why we acted like mm-hmm. that, or that's why I act like that when we argue about this. And I just like, even we we have done pretty well, and I know I've already stated this in some other podcasts, like, we've gotten better at um, fighting equally and more calmly and really talking things out and not having that hangover like we, you know what I mean? Like, we, it, it it's definitely a learned thing, and we've gotten better, but even reading this, I felt like, Oh my gosh, like starting now, I think we'll be on a whole nother level yeah. when it comes to communicating during disagreements. I'm, I'm really looking. <laughs> yeah, you know, I kind of before, well, like I said, I don't, I typically don't read a lot of these types of books just because I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's just gonna be same old, same old. But, you know, as we went through it and really had these discussions and stuff, like I couldn't believe all the things that I picked up. That I'm that I just am like, wow, this is I learned so this much. This is awesome. <laughs> I learned so, so much. Oh, that uh, means so much. Yeah. Um I yeah, want I mean, thank you. That 
Just, just to, I mean, I really, really appreciate you saying that because that was actually the main intention we had, right? With, with the coaching and the principles we had gathered, we knew that our main intent was to put something together that was so simple to understand and implement. Like that had to be what we fulfilled on. So the fact that you are saying that mm-hmm. is so big for us that that is fulfilling that intention. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to take a few minutes and really talk about how to um, physically connect um, after your argument and why it is so important to connect um, physically. Mm. Yeah, so what you're even speaking about is the five R's to repair after a disagreement. And the whole reason that we provided the five R's is because saying I'm sorry afterwards is usually not enough. Mm-hmm. Once in a while for like the small little thing, like all you say is, okay, I'm sorry, I love you. But if things got escalated, if emotional damage was done or a sensitive topic was brought up, I'm sorry usually doesn't cut it. Yeah, it still sure. leaves the partner wondering, well, why did you say that? Or do you really mean I'm sorry? You said I'm sorry last time. Is anything going to change? Right. Is anything really going to change here? And so the five R's, which would be a longer discussion. So I'll hit mm-hmm. on the third one that you're talking about. Uh, so you want to reflect, take responsibility, and we go into a ton of detail in the book. The third R is to reconnect physically. And you don't want to wait too long. You don't want to wait days before you initiate, you know, at least touching their shoulder. Like, okay, for me, to be honest, I take a minute to process my emotions and thoughts and kind of open my heart again. I can be kind of like a hard shell for a a few minutes after an argument, kind of protecting myself. Mm -hmm. So I have to take a breath, soften. And I've really had to train myself to just go by him and just like touch his back just to start Mm -hmm. the physical touch again. I might not be full blown ready for a big hug yet or to be sexually intimate yet, But if I just start with a touch or one of us, you know, grabs each other's hand, we're starting to say, like, I want to connect with you. I love you. You're showing that. And physically, your chemicals change as well. Mm. So there is even a chemical change that happens when you start to physically touch each other again. And so we recommend that everyone do something small. Grab their hand for a second walk by and and rub their back. And that is after the first two R's. So you all are going to love reading the book and hearing Mm -hmm. all five R's because the repair process will help prevent it from continuing to come up and feel as though you're kind of just holding this wound there. Like it's just there beneath the surface waiting to come up another time. Yeah. Your five R's are spot on too. Mm. they're they're so good like if i wish we would have yeah like just known about all these things because they're so important and really saves you a whole lot of heartache during that period of time so i guess even the the last thing to round that out not to give you know everything away the last r is reconcile and i think this is a great way just to to close this out because someone's thinking well how how do I really turn a conflict, like we said, into a benefit or an opportunity? And the way that we phrased that was to reconcile, right? And not just reconcile as in the reconnect, but reconcile as in like you reconcile accounts if you're an accountant, right? So you're actually reconciling at the end together of how this challenge was actually there to benefit, to grow you or to connect you more. Mm. And why that's also so important 
to what Jocelyn was saying, once something has already happened, and this is, this is much deeper, it's not even in the book, but once something has happened, it's in the past. Now, we keep bringing the past forward in how, how we remember it. That's why people feel the same thing keeps on coming back up because you don't reconcile it, meaning you don't change the memory of it. You keep bringing it back. So that means if you can change your memory of a conflict, that's how you can really keep re recurring things from happening. So how do you do that? When you can say, oh my gosh, I see how this conflict after working through the five R's is a benefit for us. We connected more. We understood each other deeper. I know something more about you. Now you've changed the memory. Yeah. And now that memory going into the back is a positive thing rather than when you recall it. Otherwise, it's still a negative thing. Yeah. Well, we could, oh. we could spend several hours, I mean, diving <laughs> I know, into I all the information too. that you guys have. But um, again, we can't stress enough how much this, this book has helped us and it's, it's how amazing. much it can help everyone. So no matter what aspect or what, where you're at in your relationship or marriage... Uh, we'd encourage you to go get this book. I mean, this is just incredible. Mm. And you guys also do coaching as well, right? Yeah, we do coaching. We have workshops. You know, I think just to share, is it okay if I direct them to a couple places? Yeah, please. Sure, we're going to say, please, please yeah. let them know where we, uh, they, can, they, could find they can find you. Guys. you. So for being on podcasts only, so only when we're on a, a podcast like you guys, we actually have $200 worth of bonuses that you can get for ordering it. And you actually just enter your receipt number onto a webpage at theargumenthangover.com. And you get access to courses on communication, conflict, triggers, a workbook to debrief after conflict. That's all at theargumenthangover.com. And then the best way to stay in touch with like, we do challenges for couples. We, you know, do coaching, all those things is Instagram. So if you connect with us on Instagram at meet the Freemans, you'll keep up to date with everything that we have going on. Wonderful. And uh, we'll see if we can put some things on our app as well. So people um, can, as they're getting on the app can, can find, find yeah, it as find well. So do you care if I close with one of your quotes from your book? Let's Please, hear it. Yeah, go ahead. I loved it. it said, set your sights on progress, not perfection in your relationship. When you maintain an attitude of gratitude towards your spouse and give sufficient attention to your relationship, you can be a truly empowered couple that can handle any challenge that comes your way. Mm, I love that. I just feel like if you can learn how to argue and, and do the five R's that you talk about in your book, just how empowering you can be as a couple if you yeah. can if you can get through those hard times you can get through anything yep. mm. wow, well, we're so well glad said. we're so glad that you have enjoyed the book like and i can we can really tell that you did well we loved it so everyone go get their book and thank you for being here today and taking thanks the for time. having us um and thank you for listening to our podcast um, we just want your marriage to be full of passion romance and ultimate intimacy have a lovely day <laughs>